Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music.
That was, of course, Harry Allen. And what do I want to play next for you? I want to play that one right there, I think. Chet Baker. You don't really care what I play as long as it's good, right? Did I mention to you that last November some utility wires got blown loose and ended up draped on my driveway sign in my mailbox? I sent letters to the CEO of CMP and a and a woman who chairs Maine's Public Utilities Commission. And I sent a letter to the editor of our local paper, and she was even good enough to run this letter I wrote, asking about these wires that were hanging from the utility pole in front of my house. Guess what? A female finally called back from PUC. She said she had two letters from me and asked what she could do for me. I told her there was not a thing she could do for me, but as a matter of public safety or concern, someone might want to look at the wires hanging from a utility pole in front of my house. She asked me for the name of the company that handled the telephone service in my area, and I told her I didn't know. Who would know? The names and owners of companies change so often. She sounded like a resigned soul, she sighed and said she'd see if she could find someone who might be interested in looking at it. Well, a couple days later, a man from Central Maine Power Company came down and looked at it. He said it wasn't one of his wires, but he'd report it. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if those wires hanging off the utility pole out by my mailbox were gone in another week or two. Isn't it an awful good thing that I know how to get things done. For our first tune this evening, we'd like to play one of our Pacific Jazz recordings. Isn't it romantic?
Live in Willimantic, booby-dooby-doo-boo-doo. To my way of thinking, a genius is someone who can think outside of the box. One of the tiny wire ends rotted off my wife Masha's favorite toy, her riding lawnmower, and the end of this wire broke off when I took the battery out to store it in the solar radiant heated cellar office of Maine Private Radio last November, and I finally got around to fix it so she could mow this spring. I needed what I think is called a grommet. It has a round hole in one end, so a bolt will go through it. The wire gets crushed in the other end of the grommet, and although I have a raft of these things I've picked up at lawn sales over the years, not one I had was the right size. I went over to ask Larry Oaks if he had the thing I wanted. Now, Larry Oaks looked in his boxes of new stuff, but he didn't have one. But then, he handed me an old battery cable, and I could see that if I sawed off the grommet and drilled out the wire that was in it, it'd be just the thing. I could pound it back down again. So I did, and the mower runs slick, and the trees and rocks and buildings had better stand well back out of the way when you-know-who comes home and sees her toy all gassed up with the back steps and ready to crush and destroy. Of course, if I had thought of using an old car battery cable in myself, I wouldn't have been running around the neighborhood asking for help. My thinking is limited by functional fixedness. Larry Oaks, on the other hand, is a unique person. He builds these things he calls rat rods, some kind of a fancy artistic hot rod car. And these rat rods require not just mechanical ability, but also a great amount of artistic ability. Now, Larry Oaks has an abundance of both. And because he can do so many things that are a mystery to me, I think of Larry Oaks as being a genius. Are you a genius? Is your, is your kid a genius? Can you think outside of the box? Thank you. 
A lot of Harry Allen on this show. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. On this station, you can, with any luck at all, hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Thank you for listening. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And just when you thought that there were no unopened windows of economic opportunity in America today... We see a woman on television telling us about the year she spent in federal prison. Of course, she had in her hand a book. She wrote about her experience, and it must be selling well because, well, even old dog-eared copies are nine ninety-nine on Amazon. I got to confess, I didn't hear enough of the program to learn if one gets free medical care while in federal prison. But think about this. If you have secret literary pretensions, are unemployed, and have a couple of teeth that need attention, you might want to look into laundering some drug money, which is good for a year. Oh, I should mention this, to be fair. It might help if you already have an education. The woman I saw on television had an undergraduate degree from Smith. Take our love affair lightly 
of course, here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. My neighbor has a cooler, and he puts this cooler on my front lawn, and from this cooler he sells a dozen so eggs about every day. And whenever I happen to be out there, well, you can believe, you can understand why I do this. Whenever I happen to be out there and see someone take a box of eggs, I rush right over and I say, I'd think twice before I ate any of those eggs. You ought to know that those eggs were laid this morning by some chickens that run around in my friend's back pasture. These chickens eat worms and and they eat whatever they can find among the huge piles of cow manure and donkey droppings out in that pasture. Now look at these eggs. They're awful big eggs. Some of these eggs are white. Some are brown. They might be double yokers. I don't know. Wouldn't you much rather eat a little white egg that was produced by a happy hen who lives a life free from fear of foxes in a nice tiny cage in Kansas, you know, surrounded by thousands of her friends?
Allen. Boom, doom, doom, boom, boom. Long-time radio friend, and now Facebook friend, Peg, has taken me to task for posting an unnecessary quote at the beginning of many of my comments. Because I post the quote so the uninitiated will know what I'm commenting about. Listen to this. Peg also takes me to task for not posting websites for quotes so she can see where I got them. See what's happening here? She complains when I do, and she complains when I don't. Wouldn't Peg make a great wife? I got a gal who's mighty sweet, big blue eyes and tiny feet. Her name is Rosabelle McGee, and she tips the scales at 303 G. But ain't it grand to have a gal so big and fat that when you go to hug her, you don't know where you're at. You have to take a piece of chalk in your hand and hug a ways and chalk a mark to see where you began one day. I was a hugging and a chalking and a chalking and a hugging away. When I met another fellow with some chalk in his hand, a coming around the other way over the mountain, a coming around the other way. said I'm weak my bones don't ache my joints don't creak but I grow pale and I get limp every time I see my baby blimp oh gee but ain't it grand to have a gal so big and fat that when you go to hug her you don't know where you're at you have to take a piece of chalk in your hand and hug a bit and chalk a mark to see where you began one day I was a hugging and a chalking and a begging her to be my bride. When I met another fellow with some chalk in his hand, a coming around the other side. Over the mountain, a coming around the other side. She's a my wide. Chalking up the mark down in Yellowstone Park. When I met another fellow with some chalk in his hand. Coming around the other side Over the mountain Over the great divide Hoagie Kai Michael And we're going to have another hoagie coming up Right up here Moon Country is home to me Can you imagine Harry Allen playing Moon Country? You are, of course, listening to The Humble Farmer Here on your favorite radio station Where... With any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you. If you're a college student, please turn off the radio. You should be studying and not listening to foolishness like this. This will not help your grades. 
Charlie Wing says he sold his boat and he and Barbara, his wife, have moved into a condo in South Portland. Charlie told me he wants to go to Europe on a freighter. Hmm, I know about that. I went to Yachtibori on the Moore McPride in 1960 after flunking out of the Crane Department of Music in Potsdam, New York. Now, I'd love to go to Europe with Charlie on this freighter, but Charlie says they won't. Listen to this. Charlie says they won't take anyone over the age of 78 because they might not survive the trip. (laughs) Why am I laughing? Think about this. Statistically speaking, isn't traveling by freighter not even half as risky as those carnival cruises?
moon country, that possum and coon country. You've heard Hoagie sing that. My neighbor Mike came over to see my solar water heater and the PV panels that generate the electricity on this farm. And as we were outside looking things over, I looked up at a plane passing by, and I mentioned to Mike that coming home from Holland or Frankfurt or someplace, I've been five or so miles right up there in the air over my farm. I've seen my farm. I've seen the house from the airplane five miles up. And then I've landed in New York or Boston or someplace and had to drive five or ten hours to get home. How nice it would have been if I could have just jumped right out and been there. Mike asked me if I'd ever seen a flight tracker. <laughs> flight tracker? Because cause I've heard of a flight tracker. I thought a flight tracker was some kind of thing the police strapped on Martha Stewart's leg. But when Mike got home, he sent me a web page that tells me which plane I'm seeing in the sky over my house. It's fascinating. I just saw one now. I says, I wonder where that's coming from. I rushed in the house and looked. It was coming from Reykjavik to New York, which is a flight I've made several times. This flight tracker is a f- fascinating thing, and it is the greatest, most useless thing to waste your time that has been invented since American television. Now, when I see an airplane over my house, I don't have to guess if it's a flight from Schiphol or Frankfurt. I can run into the house and look at my computer screen and see. Wouldn't you like to strap one of those tracker things to the wrist of your 16-year-old daughter? <laughs> yeah, you could, you could tell her that you are only preparing her for a life as a police officer.
might have to abandon that. I don't know if that's the CD or if it's my machine. What am I going to do here? Well, stand by. I suppose we'll just have to forget about Scott Hamilton, and I never knew. We can tell you, however, about one of the greatest hoaxes perpetuated upon the masses in America today. In my opinion, it is the posting of an 1878 or so spelling test that we are told was administered to the 8th grade, or else it's the spelling test for 8th graders that was in use in 1912. It doesn't matter, because upon seeing it, we're supposed to clutch at our throats in horror and reflect upon how far educational standards have dropped in the past hundred or so years. <laughs> this might be all good and well, but of course we're never told how many of the students back in 1878 were able to pass that particular test. And you want to remember that in 1878 some of the smartest kids who couldn't spell might have quit school to take up farming or carpentry. And ruminate this for a bit, if you will. In your opinion, is there any correlation between being able to spell and being able to think? Some of the smartest people I know can't even read. If you are not able to do both, read or spell, and given your druthers, would you rather be able to spell or would you rather be able to think? I was taken to task for saying this because my friend Jeremy says that the biggest hoax in this country today is the notion that not taxing the richest people will cause economic growth.
Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. Thank you again for listening. Are you at the age where you're careful when you walk up or down a flight of stairs? Do you always wear your seatbelt when you're in a plane that's taking you up to do some offhand skydiving? I have moved past this stage. You'll be glad to hear that. And I am now at the station in life where I am afflicted with what Hercule Poirot would call the fingers of butter. I have noticed that I have become sloppy when picking up things. But today the fact that I must think when picking up something was forcefully impressed upon me after my nap when I dropped one-third of a cup of warm drug drink as I was taking the cup out of the microbe. When the cup hit the linoleum floor, brown drug drink, honey, and milk splattered all the way to the ceiling. I did not know. I bet you didn't know that anything in a cup could splatter so high or so far. It went to the ceiling. It covered the Phil Anderson original over the counter. It seeped down into the three drawers below the micro. Some of Marsha's towels are brown. She's going to wonder about that. It was all over the cupboard doors, all the way to the ceiling. And... Good thing, because I only do one-third of a cup, you know, just enough to wake me up and keep me from needing another nap. I was spared from wiping up three times as of this dissipated drug drink. Marsha, who was cleaning the house on Manhagen at the time, called to tell me that she was in residence and that all was well. And I said to myself, well, the lights will be burning there until late, you can be sure. I told her that I was right taken there. I was busy wiping up splattered drug drinks, so she let me go. And can't you see her shaking her head, hanging up the phone, saying to herself, helpless, helpless, he is helpless. Anyway, lesson learned. At least I'll be more careful now when I'm down in my cups. Another of our Pacific Jazz recordings, an original tune written by Russ Freeman, our piano player here, Made in Mexico.
Olay. Almost time to get out of here. You heard me say that Charlie Wing was in here the other day. A few years ago, Charlie Wing told me how to insulate my solar radiant heated cellar office here. And among other things, Charlie Wing is an expert on building, repairing, and insulating houses. You've seen his books on Amazon. He said he wanted to go to Europe on a freighter. So I looked it up. I read online. is what I read. The cost of the shortest transatlantic crossing at 13 days from Savannah to Valencia is about $1,700 a person plus about $400 in fees. And I said, wow, wow. Freighter travel is no longer an option. used to be an inexpensive way to get to Europe. Nowadays it costs 10 times as much as it did 55 years ago, in 1960, I think it cost me a wit over $200 New York to Yottibori, which was about what I could earn in two months working in the cement plant, weighing trucks and typing out invoices. As I recall, I think I was getting around $25 a week, and because I was living at home, I saved all of it and bought a one-way ticket. What fun it would be to ride around and see the world on a freighter. But at a hundred dollars a day, who in the world could afford to do it? Thank you. 